When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the start of the second round last night. If you were a Panther or Blues fan, you probably didn't. Let's start with the Battle of Florida, Panthers and the Lightning. And I picked Florida to win this in six. I'll stick with it. But what you saw in game one was just how good Tampa is in these situations. Okay. They fall behind, doesn't matter. They get the big goal in the second period from Perry, and then they dominate the third period, win the game 4-1. to Now, a couple of things did not go well for the Panthers. A goal taken off the board because it touched the netting, and that would have tied the game at two in the third period, taken off the board. Bad break. And then the goal that really broke the back of the light of the uh, Panthers was the Kucherov goal with about four minutes left in regulation. They made it a 3-1 game and effectively ended it. And, of course, there was controversy because it appeared that Sorelli had interfered with Bobrovsky leading to that goal. And when you watch it, there was interference, right? Sorelli bumps into the head of Bobrovsky just as the puck is coming into his view, and it certainly led to the Kucherov goal. However, when you look at the rule, Bobrovsky's head is outside of the crease. Sorelli is entitled to that space. The contact was incidental so the goal should stand so there's the confusion and and sometimes and I, I I'm a lot of times always defensive of people killing the NHL for rules and all that and sometimes they're convoluted and sometimes they're confusing and it's so easy to blame the league and blame the rule and why is it reviewable and why is there a penalty when the challenge doesn't go the team that asked for the uh, the review and all that but in this particular case, it's just us understanding the rule before we get outraged, okay? Everything ended up being legal. Now, you, you first look at it. Sure, there's goaltender interference. Sorelli contacts the head of Bobrovsky, distracts him enough of the goal to be able to be scored. But even though Bobrovsky's in the crease, the part of his body that was contacted was outside the blue. Sorelli did not intentionally hit Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky should have done a better job of clearing Sorelli out. He does have the ability to push or move Sorelli if he can, and he didn't. And if you look at the reaction from Bobrovsky after the goal was scored, there wasn't that initial, oh my God, I was interfered with, which sometimes can be a bit of an indicator on whether there was goaltender interference or not. But that left aside is that there's going to be contact. If it's outside the blue and it's incidental, then the goal stands. And it was the right call. And it was the right call with the puck touching the netting as well couple of bad breaks for the Panthers. This series is not over. Shots were pretty even at 36-34. You know, Duclair was very good in this game. I'm sure guys like Bobrovsky are going to wake up and, and have a big series, and Giroux is going to have a big series, and I don't think the Panthers are dead by any stretch, although it does hurt that for the second consecutive series they give a home ice advantage, and the Lightning are not the Washington Capitals. So spotting Tampa home ice and game one, pretty, pretty big for Tampa but I do think the Florida Panthers will be able to survive. Great game between the Avalanche and the Blues, and this could be a quietly good series. You look at the Avalanche and just the firepower, but if Biddington's going to play this way, 
and he made 51 saves in the game, then there's every indication that St. Louis can hang. You know the Avalanche are going to produce offensively. They're just too good offensively. And it's a lot to ask Bennington or any goaltender to stand on his head and make 50-plus saves in every game in order to win. But the Blues have a lot of experience. Bennington has won a cup, all right? There's a lot of players on the Blues that won that cup back in 19. So I don't think the Blues are going to go away. I think the Avalanche are going to eventually win this series. And the St. Louis has got to find a way to cut down on the opportunities for Colorado. But you get to overtime, and just like what happened with Nashville, you might be able to hang with them, but overtime is always going to be on the side of Colorado. And this was a game in which it wasn't dominated by the Landeskogs and the McKinnons and the Rantanens. You know, they got the goal from uh, Niskushkin, who's somebody that's very, very underrated. Gerard, who's a very, very underrated defenseman. And, of course, Josh Manson gets the game-winning goal in overtime, 8-0-2 in. Kadri had a couple of great moments, but just Bennington was just so good keeping this team in it. So if it's going to be about Bennington having to stand on his head every single game, the Avalanche will eventually win this series quickly, as I predicted. But, hey, the Avalanche can get frustrated. St. Louis can find a way. They may not go quietly into that good night. So that was a fun, fun game last night. I'm hoping it's going to be a fun series. The other two series get underway tonight. Rangers and the Hurricanes from Carolina. Kind of surprising today during the morning skate with New York that Sammy Blaze skated. Now, he's not going to be ready for this series, it doesn't look like. Gerard Gallant was very sketchy as far as like when we can expect Blay back. But somebody that got hurt early in the season, out for the year, well, guess what? The year's been extended by the Rangers playing in the second round. And now, getting ready for game one, he's on the ice for the morning skate. Non-contact jersey, certainly not going to be playing anytime soon. And if you read between the lines with Gallant, it sounds like that if the Rangers are fortunate enough to get to the conference final, that maybe the door could open for Blay to play. Maybe if if this goes six or seven, that Blay can find his way in. And that could be big. I mean, he was a part of that cup championship with the Blues a couple of years ago. We don't know about Barkley Goodrow. I had a chance to talk to Gallant uh, back on Monday about the possibility of him being ready, and it didn't sound like he'd be ready right away, but maybe later on in the series. Just giving the Rangers options of not only depth for that fourth line, but also depth as far as experience, guys that have won cups before. Because now... Listen, the first round's the first round. When you start to get to the second round, especially against an experienced team like Carolina, the gear is going to change, okay? And now it starts getting real as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs. And that experience, although it's building for the Rangers because they won a series now, but to have guys that with the rings on their finger playing in these games are going to be exceptionally important. Carolina more so than Pittsburgh, is going to go out there and be able to roll four lines. And matchups are going to be very interesting because do you just take Mika Zibanejad's line, throw them against the Ajo line with Svechnikov and Jarvis and just go mano a mano? Will you see the counter by Brindamore? And I think this is what's going to happen where he'll take the Stoll, Niederreiter, and Foss line, put that against Zibanejad. And this obviously is something that can happen in the first two games of the series with it being in, in Raleigh and obviously change once we get to the Garden over the weekend. But then that puts the kid line up against some very, very big-time players, whether it's the Ajo line, the Trocek line with Domi, who had that big, big Game 7 against Boston, uh, Tara Vainen, who's a very underrated player for them. This is where you get scary with Carolina, and you saw it in the four matchups during the regular season, and I've talked about it many times before. With that one win the Rangers had, getting outshot 44-18, to they are going to have the puck. They're going to possess it. Rangers have not been great on faceoffs this year or in the playoffs. 
when Carolina's got the puck, they don't like to give it up. And they can sustain pressure. And that's what we saw in the four matchups. And they can roll some lines here. Even their fourth line, Natchez did not have a great year, but certainly has potential as far as firepower is concerned. Kakanyemi's got some experience in the postseason with Montreal last year. So they don't really have a weakness when the forwards come. Now, defensively, they're not like the clamp town guys, but they can score. Slavin D'Angelo, Shea Pesci, and then Smith and Cole. Uh, tons of experience, and they can score as well. So the Rangers are going to have their hands full against Carolina, and it's really going to be fun to watch the chess, chess match between Gallant and Brindamore because I think matchups are going to be kind of important here to kind of free up the scores because the Rangers do have the ability to roll three offensive lines, clearly, Um especially with the kid line of of Heedle playing. So I thought Heedle played great in the first round. Lafreniere, Kako were also very good. But you're not going to get the kind of production of your fourth line um, compared to the fourth line of Carolina. Now, that can change if Goudreau comes back. Uh, certainly that can round out the, the the fourth line. But, you know, Reeves, Rooney, you know, you throw a, a McKeg in there or whoever they decide to kind of throw in, whether it's, you know, you throw Gauthier, Mott, who came back from injury. None of these guys are going to supply the offense that Carolina can. So I think Carolina better offensively rolling the four lines. Blue lines are very equal offensively. I think the Rangers probably a little bit better defensively. And then you get to the goaltending. And Ranta, you know, EJ said it back on Monday. He's a terrific goaltender. His problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. All right, so um, that's interesting. Eventually, Anderson's going to come back, not in the beginning of the series, but similar to what we saw with Jari in round one with Pittsburgh. He'll kind of be looming there as a possible uh, replacement for Ronta at some point. Uh, Kochekov is somebody that played against the Rangers early in the season. Um, They do believe in him. He's a part of the equation as well. But I'm going to take... I'm going to take Shesterkin, you know, seven days a week and you know, uh, eight days a week, whatever you want to say the phrase is, over either any of the goaltenders that Carolina is going to throw out there, and that certainly could be an X factor in this series, and that begins tonight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And really looking forward to the Battle of Alberta. First time since 1991. So we're talking about a generation of fans that have never experienced the Battle of Alberta. My producer, Anthony Pusick, is someone who does not know what it's like when these two teams play each other. Um, it is There's about two and a half hours separating the two cities um, in the, the province of Alberta. Calgary a little bit closer to the United States border. Edmonton is way, way up there, but they're both way up north. As you could tell by watching um, the Game 7, where they kept showing the outside of the Saddle Dome, and it's like 9 o'clock and the sun was still out. I mean, that's how North Calgary is. Now, add even another two and a half hours north with Edmonton, where I, I've been in Edmonton in the spring, and I swear, like, be quarter to 10, and it would still be bright outside. That's how north it is with these two cities. And and Edmonton, of course, came over from the WHA. Calgary moved from Atlanta uh, to Calgary. And 
the point is is that these two teams have no love for each other. It seemed like they were always in each other's way on their way to a Stanley Cup championship. We had the the, the Steve Smith own goal back in the day, Gretzky going up against Lanny McDonald. It just it's a fun. Edmonton's got the better of it in, uh, historically, but Calgary's had their moments going to the Stanley Cup final in 86, eventually winning that cup in 89. One of the greatest teams I ever saw play was that 89 Flames team stacked with so many great players. Um, and the Calgary comes in as the favorite because you just have more faith in their goaltending, right? Markstrom is just a better goaltender than Smith. But we've told you many times on this podcast, if Smith plays great, which he did against Los Angeles, which he did down the stretch of the regular season, Edmonton is every bit as good as Calgary. But the goaltending, I think, is just too much of an edge for the Flames. Dallas did a great job clamping down on the Kachuks and the Johnny Gaudreau's of the world, although eventually Gaudreau had the last laugh with that overtime game winner in Game 7. But you look at Edmonton's firepower, McDavid, Dreisaitl, they've got really good um, ancillary players. Nurse is very good on that blue line. He, of course, was sorely missed in Game 6 when he was suspended. The reason why that series ended up going 7. Uh, you look at um, you look at Cassian, who's uh, who's a good player. Uh, they've got so much firepower for sure, but Calgary has got tons of guys as well, and guys that you don't don't get enough of the Backlands of the world, the the Luchises of the world that that can have tons of experience to supply a bunch of of, of offense. Um, so. Uh, it's going to be fun. I, I, I picked. I predicted it to go seven, and I was thinking with my heart more than my head because I want this to be the true battle of Alberta and go right down to the wire. Um, and if Colorado makes short work of St. Louis, which could easily happen, that does not bode well for the winner of this series eventually in the conference final if uh, Colorado gets a lot of rest. They swept Nashville in the first round with both Calgary and Edmonton having to go seven games. So there's going to be a clear edge for Colorado if they can make short work of St. Louis, and I just think Edmonton and Calgary are going to go to the wall. So first time in 31 years, and boy, that is going to be just a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to those two teams uh, going at each other. Uh, Just a couple little um, notes. It looks like um, the information is that Barry Trotz is interviewing in Winnipeg with the Jets, and I think that would be a great hire. We know Winnipeg is very, very close to being a playoff team, and Barry's a cup contender kind of head coach, and I think um, that speaks volumes. I know he's from there. Uh, He's got some family issues where he wants to stay closer to home, so that could be a motivation, but also for Barry, look at Winnipeg and say, I think I can do something there certainly would uh, be an indication that the Jets are close, and I think Kevin Sheveldayoff is bright enough to know how good Barry Trotz is, so we'll see if that ends up being a destination for Barry. He might want to wait and see uh, what happens in Nashville. Um, we can wait and see if that maybe does Florida make a change if they go out early against Tampa. Andrew Burnett has only been the interim coach. They never took that tag off of him. But if he goes to Winnipeg, that would be a, that'd be pretty interesting. That'd be a lot of fun. And it also gives the indication, too, that if he goes to Winnipeg, that maybe that was the modus operandi overall for the departure with the Islanders. I know he got fired, but maybe there was motivation of not wanting a contract extension, hoping that eventually he could go um, and move on from the Islanders and go to Winnipeg. I know he has aspirations of being in a managerial position. Does uh, Kevin Shevel Day off somebody that if they're another tough year could be out of a job or be there to help Kevin in, in some kind of managerial position? But I thought that was kind of interesting, and we'll see um, if he ends up landing there. And I do think there's a very good indication that that's where he will be. Uh, already got word that uh, there'll be no changes in Toronto, nor should there be. 
Um, as I mentioned on Monday, I know it's typical Toronto getting bounced in the first round again, but I think they had an excellent regular season and just got a bad draw against Tampa. And I know they blew a 3-2 series lead, lost on home ice in Game 7, but you know, you didn't lose to nobodies. You lost to a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals uh, championships and who knows, might win a third straight. That was the ninth consecutive playoff series that the Tampa Bay Lightning won over the Leafs. So it was a tough matchup. They went seven. They did blow a 3-2 series lead, but um, they are not making any changes to the head coach or the general manager uh, in Toronto, and I think that's the right move. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to Troy, who says, do you think Barry Trotz would be a fit in Vegas? I believe his system is what Vegas needs to find consistency in their defensive way. I yes, I mean Barry would be a great fit anywhere because I think he's that good of a coach. But yeah, they, there's already a structure there that I think Barry would be able to fit in. It's a team that missed the playoffs barely this year. I think they'll be much better once their cap situation gets better. A full season of Eichel there, um, but we'll see if that's where he ends up going. Although I think Winnipeg would be. Uh, a pretty interesting draw for him. So um, that at least seems to be the early indications, but I think he would work there as well. Courtney says, hi, Don. Of the four remaining series, which team would be the biggest upset? I have to go with either the Rangers or the Blues since the Battle of Alberta and Florida are pretty well matched. Thoughts, thanks. Well, clearly, I think you hit on the two, right? When you just look at, you know, division champion in Carolina, beat the Rangers three of the four times during the regular season. You look at Colorado, the best team in the West, a team that's finally ready to, I think, take that next step. The reason why I'd say maybe the Rangers would be the bigger upset is because, again, Colorado has gotten to this place before. This is where the Avalanche stumble, first or second round. So they've got to kind of get over that. And they certainly got, you know, they drew first blood last night. And you're going against the Blues team that has got a ton of guys on that team, including their goaltender, including their captain, that won a Stanley Cup over the last three years. So that could be a tough matchup for the Avalanche in that sense, where the Rangers, are they ready to beat a Carolina team that although has not won a Cup recently, they've been consistently in the playoffs, they've been consistently making pretty deep runs, and I just look at the regular season matchup and say, I'm not sure this is a great matchup for the Rangers against Carolina. So I'll probably say the Rangers would be more of an upset than the Blues. Brian says, should I take the over on tonight's Rangers goals? It's currently at six. Well, you look at the Penguin series and you would have made a ton of money if you went with the over on Pick game. This might be a little bit different because, again, Shesterkin, I think, is really, even though he allowed nine goals in the final three games of that series, he still played great. I don't think... I think the games are going to be a little bit tighter now. I think you're going to start to see, and Gerard Gallant talked about this too, the first round is kind of weird. Not that the teams that are in the playoffs aren't deserving, but you do see a little bit of a gap between the teams, obviously, in the first round more so than you see sometimes in other rounds where kind of you get rid of the flotsam and jetsam, if you will, in the first round. Now you get to the second round, I think things are going to tighten up a bit. So I'd be thinking more under for a lot of these games than the over just because it's the second round and that's kind of how things tend to work. So if you look at last night, five goals in the Lightning Panthers, five goals in the Avalanche Blues, you bet the under, you were in good shape there. So at least the early indication is that if I if I'm if I if I'm at 6 6 and a half with the over, 
Uh, I, I think I lean early here to the under, so I'm going to probably look at that. Yankees and Penguins says, Hi, Don. If you're allowed to, would you mind sharing your thoughts on your Jack Adam votes? Yeah, I'll give them to you. Um, now, let's see if I can remember because it was actually a couple of weeks ago. Who are you taking out? I had uh, my number one for I had Rod Brindamore at three for Carolina and the job that he has done winning that division. So I had him at three. I had Gerard Gallant at two because the Rangers just were incredible. I thought everybody believed they were a playoff team, but the flirt with the division, finish with 110 points, have some just amazing record-breaking regular seasons. I had Gallant at two. You could very easily make him number one. But I went with um, Daryl Sutter at, at one with Calgary because the Flames, much like the Rangers, you knew they were a playoff team, but were they going to win their division? And just Sutter just doing it again, like he always does. Like he did in L.A., now doing it in Calgary. So I had him as my number one. Other guys that you could have went with Andrew Burnett in Florida, what he did on an interim basis uh, was was terrific. Um, certainly, um, you know, you, you forget about the Jared Bednars because Colorado was supposed to be good and the John Coopers because Tampa was supposed to be good. But I kind of just go with the, the surprises. That's kind of my formula of teams that I didn't expect to finish as highly as they did. And that's why I went with that. But there's, you know, when you ask me who the best coach in the NHL is, it's John Cooper. But you can't just give it to him every single year, especially how good his team is. But the, that's the, those are the three guys that I went with. And... We'll see who wins it. Now, David Hines says, with all the talk of Toronto not advancing past the first round, I think we need to start throwing Minnesota in that conversation. The Wild haven't advanced past the round one since 2015, and this has gone on seven of the last eight years. What the heck is going on, and what's it going to take? Well, you know, I remember when they made that conference final run in 03 with Jacques Lemaire as the head coach and really haven't done anything since. You make a good point. I mean, they made a bunch of changes there. I don't think they should be changing anything right now. I, I like what Bob Guerin, um, what Bill Guerin has done there as the general manager, and Everson, I think, is a tremendous coach. So I wouldn't say there's any kind of changes. They are starting to become more of an offensive team rather than the clamp-down, trap type of teams they were when they first came into the league. And Kaprizov is certainly a major reason for that. Now, I would be patient with them. I do think they're trending in the right direction, and you can't kill them for the matchup that they had. I mean, they worked hard in the regular season. They were able to get home ice, but it just didn't work out, and you can't really kill them for losing to the Blues. Caroline says Sammy Blay is skating ETA for a chance to play. Again, every indication seems to be would be in the third round of the Rangers are fortunate enough to make it. So I'd probably lean towards that. Uh, Mark says, glad you're feeling better. Rangers definitely have intangibles for upset. However, with Kane's aggressive style, Brett should take his own advice and shoot more. Shouldn't that be the mantra for all the Rangers here? Quicker, um, I, I agree. I, I think um, it is frustrating how unselfish they are sometimes. And, and doing games with Dave Maloney, how many times is shoot the puck? Like, yeah, shoot the puck, Barry, like back in the day with Barry Beck. Listen, Antti Ranta is not unbeatable. He's he's a good goaltender, but, you know, facing a lot of shots, you see the way goals are scored in the playoffs, right? With, um, with going off of legs, going off of skates, bouncing around like a ping-pong ball in the back of the net. I've said this on the air during games, you know, as a play-by-play guy, you always fantasize about the two-on-ones, the breakaways, the clear-cut goals for your call. 
But the way it usually works in the playoffs is the majority of the goals are you don't know who scored it when you say score because there, there's the shooter at the point, but who did it go off of? Did it go off of the other team? So it'll be credited to who took the shot. Did it end up glancing off of one of your own teammates and end up in the back of the net and we find out later? I can't tell you how many times I've said goal and then I'd have to kind of procrastinate until I got to what whoever led the player uh, led the first player to the bench is usually the indicator who scored. But there was even a goal against the Pe- Penguins where Rodriguez ended up leading the pack to the bench, and it was Carter that got credit for the goal. So sometimes the players don't even know. Those are the kinds of goals that are scored in the postseason. Put traffic in front of the net. No, no such thing as a bad shot. That's what all of these teams should be doing, not just the Rangers against Carolina. Carolina should be doing it against the Rangers. Blue should be doing it against Colorado. That should be the mantra for every single team. Just shoot the damn puck. Chris says, hi, Don. Many Flyer fans on social media are flipping out over Winnipeg scheduling an interview with Barry Trotz while the Flyers have not scheduled him. Is this a non-issue? Is there a reason for concern with Fletcher? And is this coaching hire his last shot? Well, again, I don't know if Barry has the Flyers on his list. You know, so I I get the feeling that Barry at his age, what is he, 60, 61 years old now? Um, leaving a pretty good situation with the Islanders, having left a pretty good situation with the Washington Capitals. I don't think he wants to go to Philadelphia for a rebuild. I don't think he wants to stay on the East Coast. I think he wants to move out West, Winnipeg. Maybe he goes to Vegas. Uh, Maybe, like I said, if if Andrew Burnett doesn't come back, even though Florida's on the East, I could see him going there because they're so close to a cup. I just don't think Philadelphia kind of fits the bill for what Barry is looking for. So I wouldn't think it's kind of a malfeasance on Philadelphia's part. It just might be that they just know that Barry is not interested. So I, I would probably look at it that way. Uh, Johnny says, no Coyote logo on the ice now. This just keeps getting more and more minor league in Arizona. I did not hear about that. I'm sure they'll have something on the ice. They're going to be playing, obviously, at Arizona State. It just that is a pretty sad situation. I, I would just, you know, again, I'm, there might be people that listen to this podcast that are Coyotes fans and, and grew up the last 20 years rooting for that team. You know, obviously, we saw with uh, Austin Matthews growing up a Coyotes fan and becoming one of the best players in the NHL. I, I just, I, I feel like this has been a theme for two decades now. Uh, whether it's the NHL bailing them out financially, looking for a new building, now having to play in a, in a college arena for the next few years until another arena is built. I almost feel like, listen, you've done everything you've, you could at this point. Like the league, the, the city of Glendale, uh, Phoenix, the state of Arizona, the, the powers that be, whoever happens to be in charge, and there's been multiple people in charge since this whole thing has kind of gone south for Arizona. Uh, I think everybody has done their best job. And it's really a miracle that they've been there as long as they've been there. I mean, there's just been no indication that this is going to work, whether it's just popularity, filling a building, or just being a good team. I mean, they went to the conference final in 2012. That's pretty much been it for them as far as having any kind of on-site success. So at, at some point, you just feel like, wouldn't they be better off in Quebec City? Wouldn't they be better off in Hamilton? Wouldn't they be better off in Houston? Like all the different places that are always rumored. You're not going to expand anymore. you already got 32 teams. It just feels like, boy, they're just doing everything they can to keep that team there. And I just don't think at the end of the day it's got any possibility of working. 
Let's close it out with Boozy McDaniels that says, do you think Mika can continue his level of play he's had in games six and seven, or will he fall back into the uh, spectator he was in games one through five? If Mika isn't moving and playing well, Kreider becomes completely ineffective. They're both very streaky players, and I guess why Kreider had such an amazing year, and even Zabanajad, they were less streaky in the regular season, but they both do have the, the propensity sometimes to kind of get lost for a little bit, and when you do that in the playoffs, it's the difference between winning and losing. And the Rangers ended up falling behind 3-1 because of it, and luckily they didn't end up getting eliminated, found it in time to win three in a row and win that series. Now the competition gets stiffer, and now the room gets less. And the pressure gets amped up. So, yeah, they're going to need Mika Zibanejad. And hopefully this hot streak he was on the last three games carries over into the beginning of this Carolina series. Because I had mentioned about the Rangers beating the Penguins, and my statement was I I can't see them losing to Pittsburgh if Shesterkin plays well. That doesn't apply here. It's it's going to take more than just Shesterkin playing well. It's going to take everybody playing well. And their best players have to be their best players. So I will shift it to I can't see them winning this series unless Kreider and Zabanajad and Panarin or Kreider, Zabanajad and Panarin. So, yeah, they're going to have to continue that hot streak. And I, I think they will be heard from. I have Carolina winning in six, but that could all change with a road win in game one, get home ice advantage back and get Carolina thinking a little bit. That could be a fun time. So both games will be played later on tonight. I'll be back with you on Friday. Of course, we will be deeper into the second round. Everybody would have played at that point, and we'll be able to get an idea where we are with the series. Want to get in touch with me? The always the way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Friday as we'll finish out the week. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.